Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hi, Brian Christopherson of Oscar 24-7 uh, joins us. Good morning, BC. Good morning, guys. Hey, uh, you know, after uh, Rex officially announced his uh, retirement, uh, yesterday, and he's had a great football life from playing in high school in Plano to Nebraska to the NFL uh, with the Bengals, the Patriots, and then most recently with the uh, Texans. Would he fit under the category of at Nebraska? And this might sound weird to hear this because I think he is. Is he sixth all-time rushing in terms of, of leaders? Is he in the category of what if of his career at Nebraska because of injuries? Uh, you could go down that that road, I suppose. There could have been a little bit more, obviously, in that 2012 season. Um, you know, sort of the greatness of Rex is it was that opener against Southern Miss where he suffered an injury, and he only had like three carries, but one of them was like just prior. I think while the injury happened, if I remember right, it was a 57-yard touchdown or whatever mm-hmm. where the like handoff was bobbled and it was one of those plays that could have been disjointed and Rex uh, turned uh, turned it into uh, something special. And um, he did that at various times in his career where uh, plays uh, seemed to be running a miss and uh, he would uh, then make something happen out of them. Uh, but yeah, I, I do think there, there obviously could have been more yards than all that that were piled up if he had stayed healthier for that one season. However, I just think the, the biggest thing to me is he was a guy who, wherever he was at, had an immense amount of pressure to be uh, at a certain level as not only a player but a person, and he always seemed to meet it, um, at least to the public's perception, and that was so impressive to me. And I'm talking about when you go back to his time at Plano High School. I, I mean, we always write stories about guys who, when they're recruits and they can make be made out to be the, the best thing we've ever heard about. But uh, I have to say, and this is, uh, you could put me in a lie detector test on this. Of all the recruits I've ever written a story about before they got here, I wrote about a 60 inch feature on Rex Burkhead and his impact in Plano and just like how he'd been dunking a basketball, even though he was shorter at that time since like seventh or eighth grade. And all these stories had piled up where he was like sort of a legend down there that almost was beyond like reality. And after talking to a bunch of people from that area, I was convinced like this is a can't miss guy. And I very rarely have felt that about a player because you never know quite what's going to happen once they get to college in the next level. But I was so sure of it with Rex Burkhead. And then by his first year, you knew that was true. I mean, I, we can go through a list of games that the Ohio State and the, all the carries against Michigan State and how he came off the bench in Iowa City in the second half in 2012. Go back to 2009. Um, the day, uh, it was the day of the Tiger crash, by the way, uh, where Tiger got in that automobile accident um, at Colorado. And um, he comes in in the second half and, and was the dude in the fourth quarter of that game. And I remember games like that that we don't even think about. He had, 
I think he threw for uh, a touchdown, ran for and caught a touchdown against Colorado in 2010 or something like that, you know. And so he he just had like the whole array of things on his resume, even if the numbers probably could have been bigger had had it not been for that injury. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it, and good on you to kind of maybe be able to to forecast that because I think everybody you know is always optimistic but maybe somewhat skeptical as until they see it on on the field what beyond his abilities like was there a mental component that even then you know what we know now of just how well he carries himself was there was there that feeling kind of surrounding him too during the recruitment of of just that mental component of how like kind of measured and and just overall grounded yeah. he was yeah the guys on Polini's staff thought he was uh you know beyond his years like mm-hmm. he was one, he's one of those like 17-year-old, is he actually 17? That's what it says. Everybody says he is, okay, but he, yeah. he comes across as like he's 24, 25. Um, he had that maturity really at a, at a young age, and I think all the coaches sensed it. Um, they knew they got a gem when he came here. And, you know, back to freshman year, um, it was after the Colorado game. It was the game they won 28-20. It wasn't a memorable game right before the Texas one-second game. And uh, he had a really good fourth quarter. There was a series where he carried it eight or nine times. They got a touchdown near the end, kind of put it away. And, uh, you know, I remember, I think it was Barney or one of the coaches was just like, those guys, they just love blocking for 22. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you rarely hear, like, coaches or players acknowledging that about a a first-year player or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, we just love when that guy's in the game, love everything about him. He had already established himself with teammates in that sort of manner his first year um, on campus. And, that you know, the thing that's impressive is he was one of the most popular Huskers I've seen and covered, and I will always say he belongs in that category. Um, nobody I knew ever got jealous or minded it uh, that was a player with him because they thought he deserved it, you know, they, the way he carried himself and all that stuff. And so – you know, on over, everybody's just a person at the end of the day, and we all have our flaws, but he really did, for the microscope he was under, um, do things at an incredibly high level, I always thought. Um, and it was a privilege to cover him. I, I was excited when he got here, and, and he lived up to it, at, you know, and, and that doesn't always happen. Hey, you think about all the 22 jerseys that you would see. You imagine, yes. you imagine a guy like Rex in the NIL <laughs> era at the University of Nebraska with everything that he did? Yeah, uh, he would have crushed it. Um, I mean, just all over the place. And, uh, and uh, you know, he was obviously associated with the Team Jack uh, thing and has remained so, and, I mean, all that stuff, and it, it all adds up. And the Ohio State game, though, um, I don't blame people for jumping right to that. Um, you could pick from a lot of things. Um, but 2011 during the comeback, obviously Levante David makes the play that, you know, if he doesn't rip that ball away, I, I am convinced to this day Nebraska loses that game by three or four touchdowns, but he did. And then in the fourth quarter, Rex Burkhead just putting four-star defenders in a blender on a few runs. I mean, obviously there's the one where he, he catches the pat, the swing pass and makes the juke and – If you ever want a moment where a stadium at the same time, there's that split second, like this just happened, he's gone, and the whole place rises as one. It was that one play. Uh, But even before that, 
if people remember, it was like pouring rain, um, like at points in the fourth quarter, and Nebraska was down seven, and they ran a pitch play to Rex uh, around midfield. It was well blocked. They were they were blocking their tails off in that fourth quarter, and he got about fifteen yards, and the rain's coming down on this like mm-hmm. old school toss play, and and it it was Rex running it, and it was like it was like as Nebraska football as you could want it to be, like as people want to envision Nebraska football. So um, he definitely had uh, moments like that, too, um, just specific yeah. great plays that were um, pretty memorable. I mean, it was a, an NFL career that lasted over a decade. Were you surprised with uh, his overall uh, presence in the NFL and how long it was? No, because he was always – everybody's going to understand where I'm going with this. He was always typecast, and we would use the labels we shouldn't use, like Jim Rat sort of stuff. Yeah. And you guys know what I mean. And he wasn't. He was just a freak athlete. Like, I go back to Brings the lunch right? pail every day. Yeah, it, it was always <laughs> like he was put like that. And it's like, go watch the second half against Ohio State and tell me, oh, he's just a lunch pail guy or mm-hmm. something like that. He was like a – I mean, he – in that fourth quarter against Ohio State, they're like lining him up at fullback late in the game on a couple of runs, and he has this one where he bent, buckles the guy's knees, almost break. He literally almost broke his ankle, and uh, got a first down late when they're kind of locking it up. Um, he he was he was had an incredible vertical, and um, there was a play against Iowa in 2012. Though that was just a horrible weather game. Yeah, it was far really cold. As, like the wind and cold and all that stuff and so nebraska is just trying to somehow hang on and get get out of there and there was this kind of terrible screen pass to him with the wind blowing the ball back like two yards and he reaches behind him and catches it It could have been a disaster and gets like five yards out of it i mean he would have plays like that where when i would see him i always thought he, he just does enough little things right and he's mm-hmm. he's going to fit somewhere that he will um He'll last a while. I didn't know if he'd last as long as he did, maybe. But the fact that he got on, especially with the Patriots during that run, when they were still, you know, on a roll and, and got the Super Bowl, whether you like the Pats or not, I think everyone around here was pretty excited for Rex that he got a ring. Brian Christopherson from Husker twenty four seven joining us uh, tomorrow. Matt Rule speaks. Uh, could announce two new additions uh, in the late signing class. So. As spring ball is still a little bit of ways away, but they're starting mat drills uh, this week. Yeah. Is there an area where, in your opinion, BC, Nebraska hasn't gotten better in the offseason or has stayed the same? Um, I don't. I, I think they've tried really hard to get better at every area. So I can't say right now they haven't. I, I There's a. There's a. A spot or two, you obviously wonder if it's actually going to happen or not. Like, there's a lot riding, for instance, on, I think, Dante Dowdell being someone who, you know, fits in pretty quickly and is, like, one of your two or three guys at least. Um, so whether he is or isn't, um, that kind of answers if they if they got better at running back or not. And obviously if Gabe and Ramirez will probably get an update there how some of those guys have healed. But to your question... Um, and kind of the spirit of it, I, I I do think they, on paper, you would have to say they did pretty well at attacking like some real worrisome spots, uh, wide receiver, namely, um, you know, when you add Nair and uh, Jamal Banks from from the portal, 
Um, and I liked Corey Barney from the early signing class quite a bit, um, you know, being on campus early. So I, I think they got better there. I think, you know, people are kind of curious, like, how the middle of the second level the defense is going to shake out, you know, in sort of the post-Reimer, uh, post-Henrich era. Um, but they've got, you know, some guys that, you know, could excite people, um, you know, like Vincent Shavers I saw the other day. He's up, you know, gained 10 pounds already since he's on campus, and I think he might have been a late steal, and Wills He's here early. So there's some linebackers, I would say, where um, you'd like to see maybe a first-year guy, at least one of them, sort of rise up, and he doesn't have to start this season, but if he could be part of the two-deep mix and you're like, okay, that guy's going to be a player, that would be one position group where I'd highlight and say maybe people wonder a little bit about what what it's going to look like, but there's also there's some answers there where it could it could turn out okay. Looking at the the veterans on the offensive line, the younger guys behind them from last year, and this current recruiting class, I know this and this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on your your forecast abilities like you had with Rex Burkhead. Might this be starting this year too? With a, a very important development year for you know guys like Atula and, and Sledge and, and other guys that could be a part of this and have more of an impact, might this be a start of where we kind of finally see that offensive line kind of get old, stay old, and see that continuity that really this this offensive line has lacked for quite some time now. It's their best opportunity in a while to do that. And by the way, the Burkhead forecast was maybe the last one I got right. That was like fifteen <laughs> or sixteen years ago. Um, so I'm not. I don't want. I'll give you credit. My horn there, but I uh, know <laughs> I think I think you're onto something there, Nick. I mean, it's there's reason to be hopeful about it. I really like how they've recruited the last two classes. Obviously, uh, folks around here have heard that before. Yeah. They, you know, they've 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 heard this. Okay, they, this O line wants to be the pipeline kind of talk. Let's get it back to that. Um, I felt like they were making progress last year, but there's still like two steps to still go. But you know, when you add like. Uh, Micah Mazuka, you know, mm-hmm. to the to the list, uh, a, a veteran guy who played a lot of games at Florida last year, um, and he kind of fills that gap left by by Piper, um, and then you know Ben Hart um, coming back um, with momentum is such a huge deal. Like I, I know everyone lost their mind, sort of, uh, you know, that when Ty Robinson walked into the room and said, "Hey, I'll be back," and and that was that, and it was kind of exciting, but. Ben Hart was equally as big to me on the other side of the ball because you're talking about a guy who, for three or four years, he'd taken his share of arrows, right? I mean, there's people like we're always on about his inconsistent play, and some of it was fair. Um, and But you could tell last off season if you wanted to attribute a couple of guys to um, the work of uh, Corey Campbell and Kristen Coggin and, you know, strength and nutrition – Ben Hart just looked different, and we would write, yeah, he's looking different. It could translate to something. People would be like, yeah, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Then he did it, and he had a much better season, and he was, you know, if you buy into the PFF stuff at all, he had the best rating of anybody. Um, so there's got, like, him being back at right tackle and having one more year and other guys, your Gatula-type players, can grow for one more season behind him. Yeah, there's a real opportunity now to get sort of in that method of, you know, you got to work for two or three years and then yeah. you're part of it and then you pass the reins to the next guy. And ideally, that's how it goes at every position. It's hard to do, 
But Nebraska's at least set it up on the O-line to have that possibility. Hey, we're not going to go ahead and react uh, that Nebraska's going to go into a season where they are like older on the offensive and mm-hmm. defensive line. That's not That doesn't happen at Nebraska, or it hasn't happened of late. Yeah, and I, I wrote the other day about like guys who changed their story in 23, their football story, and sometimes it's easy to forget about Nash Hutmaker because like over the course of you know four or five months, he's become like just a guy like you you expect to be really good and always wrestling. Everybody's excited about that. I mean, think back to a year ago at this time, he's a guy who played about 200 defensive snaps the year before. Um, had shown some signs, but, you know, some people thought of him as kind of a plugger, you know, and can he be like an every-down type of defensive lineman? And uh, he worked on his body, too, another good uh, story from strength and conditioning and nutrition. And, um, you know, by late September, he he flipped the narrative. I mean, Mm -hmm. he changed it like this guy's he's a real deal. He's going to be a problem for Big Ten offensive line. So the fact that you have him and Ty coming back and, Jamari as sort of your hybrid guy. And then I think the guy who I believe is going to be a really good Husker, another Texas guy like old Rex would be uh, Riley Van Poppel. I still yes. think there's a lot to, that he's got to say about things. So um, I do feel pretty good about those groups in the trenches. And it was the most optimistic thing I had walking away from the five and seven season last year. I, I still thought like they got better up front and I could see the direction that this staff wants to go, and I thought they were pointed that way, and that that there's the reason for hope. Hey, help me here, because uh, you know people get fixated on the numbers of scholarships and who's on the roster and all that kind of stuff, and you know they ha- they have until the, the the end of summer to get it fixed, and they will. I mean, it's not like they're going to mess around. But one area that is interesting to me in the spring, because one of the things that could happen tomorrow is Camille Prescott, who yeah decommitted from Wisconsin is going to be added to this class. Now, initially, he'll be listed as a preferred walk-on, but I think all intents and purposes are he will work his way into a scholarship. If that's the case, BC, and let, let's let's just leave him on the side for a moment. Nebraska's got 24 scholarships allocated to defensive backs. The guys that are penciled <laughs> in to be starters are guys that are back for another year that are a little bit older on the back end, from the the Boodles to the the Bennings to the Guthries, I mean, how does it shake out with defensive backs through spring, and then when you get to end of spring, making a decision if you're full go for twenty four wearing scarlet and cream, or if you're going somewhere else? Yeah, I would guess there's a couple guys who might have to think about some things after the spring and have an honest discussion about where they're at when there's that many numbers. The only other part I'd add to the discussion is what rule said on early signing day. And he was pointing out that I think they had like eight guys listed that day or eight or nine as DBs. And he said, well, it may say that on paper. Um, We view the, those, some of those guys as transferable in the sense that like, you know, maybe a guy ends up being a second level player. There could be a guy or two who could be a wide receiver, I suppose, out of that because there always seems Mm -hmm. to be, a tug of war between Evan Cooper and Garrett McGuire in a good natured way for, for guys, be it like a Jeremiah Charles or a Bryce Turner. But your question is a good one. There's just so many like athletes of a certain make back there um, that, you know, there's, you, you wonder at what point does, 
does the room get too crowded or there's just not enough chairs or donuts to be passed out, you know? So, um, I, I'm curious about that too. I don't have a good answer for how it's this competition, you know, like you, you, you get guys who you feel like meet, um, height, weight, speed measurements like this staff believes in. And, um, you know, like Br- Braylon Prude is a good example. Like he's a guy, early signee, um, who could be listed as like a DB or safety right now, but is he going to, you know, put on, they, I think they feel like his body frame can take on more weight and maybe he moves up and he's a backer at some point, you know? So there's, mm-hmm. I think some of these guys, uh, we have to be pretty careful with the labels. Um, that said, there are a lot of guys who right now would fit as a DB and there's only, as I know it, like uh, five positions where you could probably play them at a time. So uh, it will be a difficult. And what is interesting, you know, Gary, is like you say, you got a lot of returners there, actually. I mean, Tommy Hill came on at the end of last year. People are feeling good about that. Uh, Deshaun Singleton, let's not forget, was injured, yeah. but was everybody was on fire about before that. Uh, Buford got back out there, Marquise, and, you know, his younger brother, if he's on the fast track, is going to want to have a say earlier, Mario. Um, you know, so it's it's really interesting. Malcolm Hartzog, yep. you know, let's not forget him. So They like Bly yeah, Hill? Uh, yes. A guy named Isaac Gifford is probably as valuable yeah. as anybody on the defense. Yeah. So, yeah, it's gonna be. It, it's not gonna be easy for some guys to bust through. Um, but the good thing for them is, and what this coaching staff can say is, hey, we played like twenty to twenty-five guys on defense pretty routinely last year. You can get your shot if you earn it, and so that can kind of keep guys going. I think because there's proof of that. Hey, real quickly with uh, what tomorrow. It- putting the, the cap on the 2024 class. And as Gary mentioned, you could get two additions to that class. You've now seen a full year of this staff work, and you've seen some, you know, even a new addition like Glenn Thomas. But this staff now as a whole and what they've continued to pursue, even when it seemed like maybe the class was all wrapped up, given the state of the Big Ten and the new programs that are entering the Big Ten, if someone were to ask you what you think the ceiling could be for Nebraska recruiting with this staff in this Big Ten based on what you've seen, whether it you know it's a ranking you know inside the top 20 or whatever, where do you, has it changed for you? Do you think that there's a higher ceiling of what they can ultimately accomplish recruiting? Um, I've always – no, not really. I, I would say that's a good question, but I, I, I've always thought this staff um, – I think they have, first off, the respect of analysts. I, I, I really believe that, where, like, when Rule and, and other coaches, like, when this staff even offers somebody that n- not everybody else knows about or is, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, under the radar, you quickly see how the perspective on that prospect sometimes changes after yeah, Nebraska's interested. Yeah, that's a good interested. point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do think there's a lot of respect, and as, as far as, like, rankings and stuff like that go, I think there's going to can be years where this is if they win the games. I've always said like, right. what, what if Nebraska start winning like nine games again at least? Um, what does that do with recruiting? Because they've been like top twenty five or right on the fringe of that when winning four or five games. And so I've always thought like if if they could pick this back up even to the bow level years win wise, um, some top fifteen classes here or there aren't beyond. Mm-hmm. possibility but the other thing is i don't think this coaching staff cares that much about that you know they're going to continue to go after <clears throat> guys like like braylon prude like guys like rex guthrie who you know not everybody's 
like going nuts about rankings wise, but they're like, Hey, the guy can run. We checked out his height and weight, went through the drills with them. We got the up close look. We believe in them. And so I like that about this staff is they do their own research. They do their own, um, stuff like, you know, 10 feet away from guys at camp where Matt rule has a stopwatch on a guy. I think they're hoping that extra work pays dividends for them, and, and we'll see if it does. Hey, great conversation. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks a lot, guys. That's uh, Brian Christophers from uh, Husker uh, 24-7. I would agree uh, middle linebacker is an area where there's, you don't know, just snap your fingers and Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich are gone, and you say, okay, we're moving forward. Um, now, defensive back, uh, who asked this on Twitter? Oh, Brett said, has defensive back room gotten better? Singleton and Boodle being healthy will will be an asset. Tommy Hill's emergence, but they mm-hmm. they like Bly Hill a lot, who they got out of the transfer portal to kind of quietly join this class. Um, they have a lot of competition. They got to stay healthy. Uh, can they find somebody to replace Newsom? And can Malcolm Hartzog be like he was as a yeah. freshman? Because he because he struggled last year. He did, and he needs to be better. And they also need to decide where they're going to play him and keep yep. him there. I know everybody likes to cross train. I don't think it helps Malcolm. I, I think he even said early in the season when he talked about his preference being at safety as opposed to corner. I think it kind of told you right there where he's most comfortable in. But now having more reps at it, I mean, is he able to maybe buy in more to the corner position? You know, I think that that's a big part of of his year because he is too important defensively. Like, you know what he can do getting to the football. He's got a good football IQ. It just seemed like there was – it almost looked overwhelmed at times. And and I think a little bit of that was probably to what you said. I would totally agree that if, you know for guys that can respond pretty well to playing from one position to another or positionless defense, it's probably not his strong yeah. suit right now. And I wonder what happens like a Corey Collier or some of the redshirt freshmen if things don't pop for him during the spring, do they decide somewhere else is is mm-hmm. going to be the place? Because they 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 brought in whether they're going to move to linebacker or not. They got some dudes that are coming in to play defensive back that are going to be true freshmen um, that are going to move some guys out. So that's a fun group to watch during the uh, uh, spring because they also will then experiment with some guys moving. All right, 32 past the hour. Quick break. We'll come back with uh, more mornings with Sharp and Hanley on 1620 The Zone. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.